Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts about to present you to the world. Hello, Brains. Love it. Welcome to On the Edge. This is the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, super heady, and we're going to prepare to go to college. <laughs> yes, you I'm are. Gonna, I'm going to tell you something, Brains. I'll be honest with you. Uh, and I don't disclose this very often because it ain't nobody's business. <laughs> but in my career, I'm 61 years old. I've had over 30 jobs. I do not have a college degree. Now, I've been to college. I've taken courses and all that. And I made a whole lot of money and still make a whole lot of money. But that's because I had bandwidth, got the gift of gab. I know how to sell. I know how to close. But I know what I want and how to navigate. Everybody doesn't have that moxie. Everybody doesn't have that hoopsla. And in education, you cannot put a price on it. Okay, so I get that. I totally get that. So I'm all about the education, but it's really changed how these kids are being selected for colleges. If their parents can afford it, when they get there, they wild out (laughs) and a whole lot more. But Trish is going to, uh, you know, kind of streamline that, pull it back and put it in perspective. So today we have Patricia Pizak. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. From Ben, Oregon. Now, you know, Ben, Oregon is the party spot. You right up there near Humboldt, right? Well, you know what? It's a big music hub. I just finished off volunteering at a three-day music festival at Sisters uh, Folk Festival. Oh, my Amazing time. Just so much fun. It's fun to be out, you know, uh, in the wilderness again and having some life after COVID. But I'm still a little, I'm still a little paranoid. Oh, yeah. I just being around a whole bunch of people breathing on me. There'd be too many people in the line in the post office. Thank God this was outside. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, um, I show up big. I have to admit. That's right. My followers, uh, the, 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 the hundreds, actually probably into the thousands of students I've connected with and parents, um, I advocate for them. I I keep track of what is going on right now in our school systems, in our um, methodology behind what we're educating our kids on, keeping track of mm. where we're moving forward in you know intellectual um, a, a movement as far as like artificial intelligence, emotional intelligence, combining the two, college applications, which is you know crazy these days, and how to actually be seen and get the life you desire. So that, you know, when you look back, you're like, I didn't just waste my time following a certain protocol that society's put out for us. And I actually have a life I love. Like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. what you've done, you love your life. I mean, look at you. You're, you're abundant and that's what you look at you. I mean, just <laughs> flow. Yeah, that's what he said. Like, <laughs> I'll go with that. But no, it's for a person like me that has never been to a four-year university. 
where does the process even begin? Okay, now I know that they go back and they look at, you know, their academics, but they go back, what, to like the 10th grade. They don't just start at the senior uh, year. They, they will start at ninth grade. Ninth grade counts. There's oh, um, wow. some public schools that don't include ninth grade, but for the majority of it, they're looking at one of the most important things is how do you fare against your fellow students, mm. you know, after school, in your district, in your state, everything's ranked as we know it. And, um, and they're looking at how are you competing against them? So academic rigor is huge. You know, so the, you can look at like the UC systems in California and, you know, they say, yes, you only need, um, you know, a 3.5, 3.4, whatever, you know, to get in. Um, sometimes it can be even a 3.0, depending on the schools of different public schools. But the bottom line is you want to go to UC Santa Barbara, you're going to need a 4.2. You know, I mean, just to be looked at, it's, it's insane. Acronyms down for us. There is the UC and, and uh, UC. okay. So yeah, break, break that down. So people know. So UC in California, there's different, different types of schools across the United States. There's public schools, there's private schools for the, the bulk of it. Um, and these are four-year universities and colleges. Okay. UC stands for University of California. CSU stands for California State University System. So those are the ones in, in California. Okay. And they're pretty sought after, I have to admit, you know, they have a big reputation that they carry and they're huge campuses. You know, some of the campuses have upward of, you know, 30, 40,000 kids that yeah. are walking around on there. So it's like a small town. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so now they go back, they look at their, their, uh, their rankings from the ninth yeah. grade to the 12th grade. And then they, are they still taking the SAT girl? No, actually the um, COVID yeah. pre COVID, they were talking about letting that go the standardized testing. And um, since COVID, the UCs, the CSUs and private universities, for the most part, there's some Ivy Leagues that are still asking for it. But for the most part, the United uh, through the United States, um, they're not asking for those tests anymore. They're they're kind of optional, I guess you could say, but they don't, no kid wants to take it. You know, It's like, I want to volunteer and put that on my application because I just right, know I'm going right, to do so right, well. Right, right. I think I ditched that day. <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah, so- um, you know, that's I'm, not a tool they use, but it's, it's the essay. Like if, if you really uh, want to step up on your application, there's so many kids out there with good grades or classes that are, you know, rigorous and all this stuff, but you got to stand out. So the way to stand out are, are two ways. You got to get involved in something, something that makes your heart sing, not just a club and not just, you know, sports or, or whatever that, you know, the schools are telling you to line up figure out what you love, do it with a passion, explore it and move it up as you go through your years in high school and, and stick your neck out. Like seriously, if you want to clean up a river because there's so much trash on it, don't just clean up the river, get it bigger than that. Like figure out why it gets dirty in the first place, figure out who's down there. Maybe there's no trash cans. I don't know, but do something bigger, you know? Okay. And, and, and challenge and document it and document it, which is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the newspapers are always interested radio story. I mean, everyone's always interested in a good story. And then also include that in your application that, you know, this 100 covered by, you know, major yeah. news broadcasts or international yep. news. Uh, this was put in a, a, a periodical. So right. I get that. All right. Now, here we go. Got the color lines. Okay. Everybody got their crayons out. <laughs> Now they have taken away affirmative action. How do I feel about that? I feel that everyone should enter 
anything, a job or whatever, based upon their skill set and their merit, not the color of their skin, not their ethnicity. However, finance, social economics, that's huge. You know, you can have the brightest kid under the sun and their parents is broke as a joke. And the only leverages that they have is that there are fewer of this particular uh, group in this college. Like you said, 30, 40,000, you mean to tell me a third of that can't be guaranteed diversity? Mm -hmm. Where are we on that and how do we combat that now? So the reality is, is yeah, I mean, since that ruling, things have just definitely shifted and we're seeing it right now in this application season. This is where it's really affecting everything is the one we're currently in for the fall of 2024. One of the best pieces of advice that I can offer you um, and all our listeners is get it out of your head that you cannot afford a private university. Go to the private universities. They have deep pockets. They love diversity for the most part. Like, And there's lots of these schools. They embrace it. They see it as a value. So although affirmative action may not be part of the requirement when they're viewing the application, they're doing it in such a holistic manner that when they look at who they're admitting, they're saying, we want to invite people in who are going to be authentic, uh, purposeful, uh, united, and are going to bring something unique to the table. And uh, the, you know the diverse issues that, that people from different socioeconomic you know, backgrounds, um, religious backgrounds, uh, race, ethnicity, you name it, all of it. When they come to that classroom and they are coming in rather than going online, you know, and they have a PhD professor who's asking questions. I'll tell you, I love sitting in those classrooms because you're actually mm. integrating. So I, I, I recommend that we can't do a whole lot to combat it right now um unfortunately is just kind of in a stagnant position in my opinion but look at the private universities because i'm telling you they are eager to have you they appreciate exactly where you're coming from and they will make allowances absolutely i look at the graphs you know you got all your smart kids up here with little red dots and all of a sudden you got this straight dot over here and you got this straight dot over here and a straight dot here they it's not just about the gpa it's not just about the gpa all right, well, brains, uh, be encouraged. Okay, be encouraged. Uh, these private universities, they, yeah. um, they, like you said, they do have deep pockets. They do. Um, and they have a lot of alumni. That's what they look at you when they invest in so you. They, yes, they give they you, you know, that. that okay. kind of money. So let's, let's, let's dig a little deeper into this. Um, let's use one of my favorite colleges right now, University of Colorado. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now I tell oh, you, yeah. Mr. Sanders has uh, put it on the map. But, you know, it, you can't always go with the hype. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's the hype thing for right now. But what do kids need to look at when it comes to selecting or submitting your application? Is it just a lottery? You just throw it out to everybody and then you get whatever you can get. What are you looking for when you submit your application to colleges so and i'm going to speak for the perspective of the kids that i coach you know through the process i reverse the role instead of being at the mercy of the university wanting you know like um accepting you and you're like oh thank god they took me you know and you're kind of at that mercy of whoever takes you mm -hmm. 
I invite these students to say, what do you want from your life when you're at college? Like, what do you expect? You're paying money or you're borrowing money to pay money to go there. So what do you want from these people that you're paying to, you know, give you this education? What kind of education are you expecting from them? You know, what do they need to hold as far as documents and, and degrees and, and what can they offer you? So you're going to interview them to see if they are good enough for you. You go in with that attitude, not from an egotistical place, but from a, a real humble place. It's like, look what I've done. I am taking good classes. I am working to my capacity and my capability. And I'm also involved in the community and I have compassion and empathy. And I think about problem solving and the world. I'm not ignorant. I pay attention to politics, environment. Those are the kids that are going to be able to say, <laughs> all these schools accepted me. And I literally, when I work with my kids, they applied 15, 20 schools. We don't have any favorites. We just kind of do this big random piece on most of the time it's private. And they get back about 90% acceptances with at least 70%. That's around $25,000, $30,000 a year blind merit scholarships for four years. The oldest student that you coached through this process? The oldest student was the parent of my first student, actually. She was 56 years old and she wanted to go back to school. And then I had a father who he worked for uh, um, uh, IBM and he always wanted to go to med school. So after he got, we got his daughter over to Emory, he went back and got his medical degree. He's a doctor right now. Wow. See, that's what I'm telling you. It's never too late. It it's never too late. too late. You got that dream. Whatever it is you want, you get that dream. There's some bullet points. I took some notes on that I want to talk to you about. Sure. Uh, the world of politics. Oops, politics. <laughs> you go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Colleges used to be a staple. That is where the critical thinking starts. That is where your opinions, that is where you protest. That mm -hmm. is where you debate. Mm -hmm. And then you take that to the next level and introduce that into society. I don't see that anywhere. You know, they, you know, they get mad because of uh, maybe the frat house is being closed down or yeah. now that's not all, but that that's some. Uh, they There's a lot of about, that. They're talking about tuition. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you pay this astronomical sixty, seventy thousand dollars in debt, and you get out and you work in a fast food restaurant. Right. Okay. That's the second thing, and the third thing is this loan forgiveness mm -hmm. that, that I did. I think you president. should reclassify that loan forgiveness. Mm. Right. Right. Okay. But there's some trickery there, mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you about that. So let's do it uh, one by one. Okay. What about the, 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 the politics and the, and the passion and the drive to really be influencers and game changers in the world? Where is that coming through? I know you say that that's what they should promote on their application, but once they get to the campus. Yeah, I, it is. It's, it's kind of stagnant. And I, I hate to say it, but what's happened as we kind of marched into the last, you know, presidency prior to Biden um, the country, as we all know, you know, it's no, no hidden secret. It, it's gotten incredibly divided. It, it, people are very on both sides. Of the country. So, I mean, it's, I, I've never honestly seen it in, in such a disrepair and, and, and just such frustration among people. And yeah, one of the things, and I, and I won't kid you, I have, I have some people that will look at campuses and say they're too woke. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> 
I've been teaching y'all about that new word that everybody's put out. Quote, are you awakened? Yep. Yep. And the fact that we have people that are saying, I don't want to send my kids to schools that are too diverse or too woke or too this. And I, and I, I just sit there going, but that's exactly why you send your kids there. Right. This is what they If you're that afraid, they're going to change what they believe. It is time for you to shift your beliefs. Like seriously. Like, I, I mean, one of the things that I remember learning in some of the philosophy classes is the moment you buy into something so deeply is the moment you have to take that time, think about it and let it go and go invest in something to allow your mind to shift. It's, it's scary for people for whatever reason, you know, they, they're afraid of what they don't know, yeah. but I'm telling you, it's critical thinking. It's critical. And we don't critically think we handhold these kids. I mean, we, we, we nurture them to death. They don't have the skills to be able to communicate, to, to thrive, to, 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 to be empathetic, you know, to integrate. To wear some clothes, girl, I'm over here at SDSU. Yep. <laughs> And I had to ask the the uh, the lady at the restaurant to wipe off the chair. She said, "Why am I wiping off the chair? Because a cute little honey that was sitting there before me was walking around on the phone." Love us, okay. And I'm like, you know, what is yep. this all about? We're Who missing it. We're missing careful. the point. We are missing the point. It is not a sex fest. Oh God, no. You but it, it, but part of the issue, and, and this is this is what's happened, especially coming off of COVID, we've mainstreamed online classes. I mean, the fact that so many public schools have so many kids. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out for you. So you see Santa Barbara, you've heard of that school in yeah. Santa Barbara. Okay. Very popular school. Last year, 2022, they took in over 125,000 applications, 125,000 applications for freshmen and transfer students, bulk was incoming freshmen. They accepted approximately 30,000, 30,800, 30, something like that. And of that, about 6,500 people really attended it. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Now you think about this. You tell me what teacher can teach that kind of volume of kids. You got a campus of 40,000 kids with the bulk being, you know, freshmen, freshmen and sophomore year, it's core education, English, history, you know, all that stuff all over again especially in the public school, they feed on it. So they throw you in these online classes with hundreds of people. It's party school all over the place. It's shopping. It's lofty living. You know, I mean, you look at some of these apartment complexes built for the dormitories, you know, it's my like neighbor, my neighbor uh, next door to me. I'm um, a little concerned, you know, I'm going to be on top of him like a helicopter. He's con- he just bought this property. He's converting it to a place for students because off-campus living, number one, mm-hmm. is so expensive. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're they're paying astronomical amounts. At, they want to be close to the school, but this is not party central. Please right. believe Miss April is going to be on top of that. I mean, kids are living in their cars, you know, they have parking oh. lots that they're converting into safe places for kids to park their cars and sleep without, you know, porta-potties and stuff like that. I mean, it's a shame, you know, what we've done to the system. And that's, again, why I keep saying in the, in the private universities, they see the value of these students. They embrace diversity. The whole school may be 3,000 to 5,000 kids. Usually it's under 10,000. And they have PhD professors in every class. You're sitting in a desk. You're talking. You're participating. 
Yeah. But getting in a private college, you really, again, you got to really stand out and who can afford that? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. That's a whole load of crap. Okay. There are private universities all around the country that have accepted and still continue to accept students ranging from 2.5 GPAs all the way up to your, you know, Ivy Leagues. They are amazing, amazing universities. Again, they want to support the student who wants to learn. That's the big thing that I see the difference between the public school that kind of just filters through the core GPA, your courses, and, you know, maybe one other little extra bonus thing. Private universities, honest to God, they look for character and they look for hardship and they look for somebody who's trying to get ahead for a minute, you know? All right. Well, that's, that's, and you can afford it because they do have so much money. Their endowments are full. Um, and that's why they look at the, the applicants. Are you going to make a good alumni that's going to give back? Are you going to help the next student at the school? Right, right. And that's what I think is critical. That's great. All right. So let's talk, uh, before I go to this loan forgiveness, let's talk about <laughs> fraternities and frat houses. Mm. Great to have camaraderie, sisterhood, yeah. brotherhood. Oh yeah. Those two once upon a time, because Okay, now I may not have went to college, but I've been to some flat parties. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you get to your parties hey, over there? Hey, yes, ma'am. But I was always smart. I always kept my uh, my yeah. alcohol consumption and kept yeah. my drink close to me. I always went with the buddy system. Never uh, was overly excited by the football players. Yeah, all that. But it used to be, again, a structure. Now it's just all out party central. These girls and guys are getting raped, the hazing, all of that. What is some suggestion? People are dying. People are dying. We got to include that. These kids are dying. One Every the, one young lady was uh, hazed to the point where they went um, and they blindfolded them and walked them out to the ocean. She couldn't mm -hmm. swim. She drowned. So how do we tell our kids to, we should be preparing them all along to pick good judges of character, but they're 18, 19 years old and they got this freedom. They okay. do. And, and it's kind of like being let off the leash, right? It's like you got <laughs> let off the leash. The restaurant. I mean, hell. <laughs> so true. So true. Right. Okay. So what do we say? And who should be overseeing that? Is that because we're having that problem at SDSU? Is it the school's responsibility? Is it you know, the fraternity's responsibility? I think it's a combination, but it, at, at some point, we're, we've been doing a disservice for years by allowing and kind of shuffling under the rug um, this behavior, you know, um, making accommodations. The other issue is, is if you just have to pay a fine, but you come from money, there's no consequence, uh -huh. you know, just it's kind of like water, you know, like you got some very wealthy people in areas where there's no water, right? But yet they have their swimming pools, they have the fountains going and everything. And it's like, well, I'll pay the fine. I'll pay, I can pay for it. So eh, no big deal. And I see this a lot in the schools, they get out of trouble. And we see this again, this idea that the entitlement, you know, plays a big role into it. Our, our white privilege, I hate to say that, but the white privilege plays a lot into into all of this and this now new separation it's kind of like it's it's a destruction piece actually and and i'll tell you i don't know how much longer it can uh, last what i see is is that at the mega schools as i call them the big schools the public you know arizona 
um, the, the UCs in California, the, the state schools in California, um, University of Oregon, uh, Hawaii, you know, and, and I, I all across the country, but the public schools are so big. How do you oversight this? I mean, there's actually a plans for a mega dorm that's being protested at UC Santa Barbara. It, it's, it's this multimillionaire guy. Um, he's 92 years old. He designed, he's a former architect. He designed this mega dormitory, 11 stories high, almost windowless. The kids are calling it like being in a coffin just so they can get more kids and put more kids in these rooms. It's, and, and all these kids want to do is get out and party because there's, they're bored. So these, these other schools that are smaller, you can contain it a little better. There's a little more oversight. You can actually kick them out of school without having to, you know, go through the hoops of, of the public institutions. Let's talk to the HBCs. The HBC. Well, I, yeah. Historical black colleges. I know. I was thinking of like Spelman and, you know, I lived in Atlanta um, for a while um, and they are, they are outstanding schools. I mean, their curriculum, their attention to their students, the embracing of um, being exactly who they are and their culture and bringing that forward, I think is, is phenomenal. And I think one of my big questions is, you know, I, I just had this conversation with a, a gal from Honduras and she's an entrepreneur. And she was saying, I said, she said, I don't understand why is it like, the, you know, African-Americans, they have pride. Latinos, they have pride. You know, they talk about their culture, their rich history. These schools that support this, they have this rich history. What's the hell's the history of the white person and the white colleges? Because you send them to, you know, some of these schools that I won't mention, it, 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 it's, it's offensive if, if anybody of color comes into those schools. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, so where do we go when we want a school like, um, you know, some of the schools in the South or out in the Carolinas or, you know, I mean, they're, they're fantastic schools. And I'm sitting here just going, how do we get that for the masses that don't want what we've been delivering so far? But again, it comes back to that critical thinking, that entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, you know, standing up for what you believe in. You know, one of the things that I, I found parents do not ask their kids if they want to go to college anymore. They basically, it's just kind of like this society norm. You go to college, go to high school, go to college, right? And the one thing I do when I work with my students is that's the first question. And the answer I hear is, I don't want to be homeless. And I'm like, sweetie, you can be homeless with a college degree, with a doctorate. You can be totally wealthy without one. You know, it's not about that. It's about you. So when we think about college, it's like, just like you said, you didn't go. I quit after my first year and went back, I don't know how many times before I got my degrees. And you got to ask, what is the quality of life you want in your future? What does that look like? And then backstep it to That's be able to get it. And it may not include college. It may include college, but it may not. You may, there's other routes, you know? So you better teach them how to change a tire, how to cook at a restaurant, oh. because a lot of these kids also have to subsidize their income and their living expenses. I mean, okay, so now let's just look at some of the expenses that they have. You know, they've got their books, they've got their tuition, they've got oh uh, fees. Don't forget about the fees, the secret oh, okay. fees. Oh, okay, they got. Like you don't even know before you sign up or before like what you kind of fees? Tell us. Like the fees for your classes. 
the fees for your TA classes, the fees for labs, the extra fees for this. Oh yeah, that gets well, taxed. You still up. have to have. You got to be covered by medical insurance because no telling yep. what's going to happen to you. Yeah, and get you out can't there. attend without it. Mm -hmm. You got to have medical insurance. If you have a car, if you own one of these scooters, mm -hmm. and <laughs> the parking passes, the oh, parking. The parking. You know, that's I not over at KPBS sometimes, and uh, the the parking is unbelievable. Right. The amount of tickets that you'll get. Oh, okay, it's and horrible. Then, and, and then I'm not even talking about the dormitories, the cost of the dormitory. I mean, if you think prices are high for rent, just for my son at CSU Monterey Bay, I believe when they put up a dorm, it was that he got into, I was paying over a thousand bucks a month just for a room mm. in the dorm, a thousand bucks a month. And that's no food. That's not right. That's right. And then they have to have a food card and, oh, they... and the food plan. Well, and here's the, here's another thing. Like I was just working with a student down and she's going, um, she's down in LA at one of the CSUs. And she's like, where do I get my food? And she's like, there's only fast food areas like Pizza Hut and Subway sandwiches. And they're like, that's the food you're eating. Mm. And I'm like, what? You don't have a regular, and it's so, they just, you know, subsidize out to these fast food joints and the, the quality of food. I remember, I won't mention the name of school, but Right in the Bay Area, in the East Bay, there's a university, a college there, and they broadcast during finals week that wow. they are making midnight um, mac and cheese pizza to build up the energy for these kids. And they said, oh, don't worry about it because 70% of our kids here are athletes. They'll burn it off. And I'm like, yeah, with a coronary. like Absolutely. So before we conclude, I want to talk about this loan forgiveness. So mm. as of today, uh, this um, is being broadcast that our dear president has uh, put a bunch of money, one, I think $125 million yeah. into this pot for loan forgiveness. Some trickery brains, okay? Because if they forgive a loan, and, and I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's added to your taxable income. That's, you know, that's a benefit to you. Yeah, you're getting taxed on stuff. So. You're going to get taxed on it. So it's not going to be totally forgiven and you don't have any consequence. But what is your position on that? You're, you know, you're right down that street. What are we driving to? Are we driving into a train? What is this all about? Well, let me, let me clarify this loan forgiveness, first of all. So the average student loan person in our country who's paying back student loans i don't know if you're aware of this but the average age is between 30 and 45 years old <laughs> so that's who's really the bulk of the payers they've been paying for years there's actually a 70 year old woman right now who's about to lose her social security money because she borrowed 2500 bucks 50 years ago mm. she's owes still over seventy-eight thousand dollars right now it's age 70 something and they're ready to take her social security i'm just like there's something wrong with this country. So you borrow this money, the loan forgiveness, if you get on, there's different payment plans. They automatically set you up on standard repayment plan. That's where they make the most money. You know, it's compounding interest daily and so forth. You got to get on income driven. And then Biden's got a plan in place called the save plan because under income driven repayment plans, there are different types, but there's all sorts of loopholes. So you really have to pay attention and you got to call somebody and talk to the rep at your lender. Don't go on to student aid and do the applications. Call a rep at your, at your lender um, is going to be the most advantageous to you figuring out what's going to be in your best interest. 
especially if you went to grad school and your loans are kind of big. My my son just finished chiropractic college. He's got $272,000 worth of debt right now. First month of interest, first month of interest, over $4,000. His first payment is due on the 28th of this month for 1,800 bucks. It's not even hitting the interest. This thing's gonna turn into a million bucks. Basically, it's gonna it's gonna grow by 100,000 approximately every two years. That's a whole lot of adjustments. <laughs> right? But it's it makes it incomprehensible for these people to pay it back. So what Biden just did is he basically, because there's this in the loan forgiveness program under income driven, after 20 years or 10 years, whatever you signed up for, you get the balance forgiven. And our wonderful government for years has never forgiven anybody, mm. ever, really. And so Biden's been putting blocks and chunks of money to get like chunks of these people forgiven and paid off. And that's what this latest thing is that he's been doing, is he just allocated another big chunk for that. Well, thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, Trish, I could talk to you for another hour. Really well, I'm happy to come back. We can yeah. talk about other stuff. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to talk about some other stuff because there's some other stuff that is going down and we're talking about what they're learning. We're talking about oh, yeah. artificial intelligence, how yeah. that plays into it, plagiarism. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and, and that's that's a really big topic and that's a very important topic. So I'd be absolutely thrilled to come back and, and, and venture into that, that tunnel. Uh, you have just been a wealth of information. Brains. Trish is going to give us all of her information. Make the phone call. Okay. Make the phone call. Consult with her. Let me tell you, whatever her fee is, it is going to be minuscule compared to what she's going to save you. The heartache, the pain. She knows about these colleges. She knows the people on the board. She knows what they're looking for. She knows where your child, based upon their wants, their needs, their desires, would be a good fit. Okay. She's blurred out the color line. She's not thinking about that. And what she wants to do is let you go on your merit, on your educational. And even if you're weak in certain areas, she can help you, you know, uh, talk to that, speak to that. There's schools for everybody and there's money for everybody. If you have, what I look for in my clients is the drive. Do you have the spark? Do you want something more? Do you want to help, you know, in some way? If that's, if your answer is yes, and you want that life, Please, 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 please contact me. You know, it was a free consult. So give them them all your information, sister. Sure. So basically you can reach my website at stepahead2college.com. So that's S-T-E-P-A-H-E-A-D-T-O-C-O-L-L-E-G-E.com. And you can reach me directly via email at stepahead2college at gmail.com. And I look forward to seeing all of you talking to you soon. Absolutely, Brains. I'm going to put all this information at the back and she's going to come back because there's a whole lot more that we have not touched on. And I want you and your children to listen to this uh, and be prepared. Be prepared for your life. We're going to even talk about some other alternatives, vocational schools. Oh, absolutely. That that children can go to. Well, not children. They're young adults. (laughs) I was going to call them children. We have to treat them as young adults, independent, critical thinkers, not as your baby's going away to college, your young man or your young woman is going away to start their life. And that's how you need to prepare them. We've got to give them a purpose. We've got to give them a purpose. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Stephanie, for being here. I'm sorry, Stephanie, Patricia. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. I'll be Stephanie today. Sure. All right. Uh, Thank you so much for being here on The Edge Brains. I need you to subscribe, please.
Love, like, share this interview and all the other interviews that we have. We only bring you the best and the brightest all over the world here on The Edge. Thank you, Trish. Thank you, April. You're the best. Thank you.